the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider, brought to you by the Hyundai A-League. Be part of the action this season. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson. I'm back after my uh, two weeks off doing my uh, B licence. Relaxing break. Relaxing break. 15 hour days. Joining me as always is Trevor Trahan. Hello. Editor. Uh, yeah, it was punishing, mate. Yeah. I'm uh, nursing a torn calf, a bruised ego. <laughs> but yeah, it was good. Very good. All right, so if you've got kids out there or, uh, or been coached yourself by someone with a B licence, trust me, they've... Uh, They've been through the ringer to get that qualification, so don't take it lightly. Let's kick off. Uh, Socceroos in action. Uh, I guess job done on one hand. Uh, qualification to the final stage is secured, but Trev, very two, uh, two games in which they struggled in both, losing one, winning the other, <coughs> but probably unjustly winning, you'd, you'd say, on the balance of play. Let's talk about uh, Oman first. 1-0 defeat on Friday night. Yep. Um, I mean, first of all, the Oman goal, where the, the defence seemed to be sort of wide open. There seemed to be loads of space to put the through ball, um, both in terms of how much the time the player had on the ball and then how much space he had to slide it through. And that's all it sort of took for Oman, who are greatly improved or have been greatly improved in the second part of uh, qualifying. And then you always felt it was going to be a real you know, slog for us to get back in, but I always just you know, felt we'd at least get an, an equaliser from somewhere. Um and, and look, it's not easy, you know, qualifying in any part of the world for the for the World Cup, and certainly not through Asia. And I, I don't know if we underestimated. It seems a bit of a simplistic thing to sort of say that we underestimated, but our game plan felt, you know, pretty similar, and we didn't have any answers when we went behind. Really, I mean, we were only saved in the Thailand game is that we managed to push them away for long enough and then snatch a late winner. Okay, I mean, much you know. Let's talk about uh, the inclusion of Harry Kill. Um, in hindsight, was that a mistake, do we think? I mean, you know, he's not really done anything you'd say for Melbourne so far, you would think, to justify being a, an immediate sort of, you know, straight back into the starting lineup. Yeah. And his inclusion meant that the whole sort of left side had to reshuffle. Which has um, been our strongest point. going back to left back, um, Holman going out to the left side. Um, which I thought we, you know, as we found out in the, in the previous two games, he, he seems a lot more effective through the middle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do still think Harry's got a place in the Socceroos, but I mean, it seems to go against all of what Holger's been saying and doing when he was selecting, you know, players through form rather than reputation. Um, it's got the potential to, to work. I think that Holman, Kennedy, and Kuehl you'd think would be a pretty strong, you know, front three, but. The the form of Holman has put a real spanner in the works of the Socceroos because the the two you know biggest players with the biggest reputation Harry and uh, Cahill now seem so much harder to fit into that team considering how well Holman's playing. Yeah. Um, and I think Cahill's obviously got a stronger case than Harry for coming straight back in for for obvious reasons. Um, and yeah, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't have sided with Harry. I assumed he was going to be on the bench to be fair. And there was no immediate recall for Emerton. You know, he had to wait for his chance. He was on the bench, um, which saw Wiltshire playing that more advanced role with Reese Williams at right back. Mm. Um, again, you'd sort of say, we, you know, when Reese Williams was in here recently, you know, he was saying that that's not his preferred position. He prefers no. playing either centre back or centre midfield, where he's been playing for Borough. 
Um, so again, we've almost got another two players playing out of position there. Yeah. Because uh, Wiltshire, you know, probably traditionally more, you know, more comfortable at right back than that advanced role, although he can play it. You know, are we in danger of having sort of too many people playing half roles? You know. Yeah, I mean, that's never idea. I mean, with Reese Williams, I'd have him on the pitch somewhere because I, I think he's our best emerging player um, and he, he needs to play as, as much as possible. But one of the main talking points after this game, and I know you mentioned it on Twitter and we've said it several times before, the Yedniak and Valeri centre two, um, about as you know unexciting and uncreative as you're going to get from a from a centre two and and especially when you've got some you know the most frustrating thing about it is when you've got people like Reese Williams and then in particular Matt Mackay who's also playing out of position and left back yeah. and, I, well, no, I, I, and again you know something that we've been talking about for around two and a half years <laughs> is the fact that there is no still no recognised left back in the soccer squad yeah not even a hint of a left back no exactly yeah and um, I mean Joshua Rose um I think if he keeps plugging away, he will be given his chance at some point. But I would just much rather see Matt McKay in the middle with either Yednak or Valeri. I think you know one of them would have to drop down um, because some of the distribution, particularly for Yednak, Yednak actually seems far more popular with the fans than he is popular with well us. But some of his distributions, awful, <laughs> you know. And, and if he's got it, you know, if he's next to someone like Valeri who, you know, breaks you know, the water carrier role, then. His distribution has to be better, so I'd, I'd, I'd actually play Valerian and Matt McKay. I think Yedniak has scored a few goals, which has glossed over how he's actually been playing. Yeah, I think, you know, on, on Twitter I was saying, you know, I think there's three candidates that, that definitely need looking at in that in those roles. One would be, and it was unfortunate that he had to pull out of this squad with injuries, Chris Hurd, not just being biased because he's, no. he's at Villa, no. but, you know, he's playing, you know, he's getting a starting berth in a Premier League side in the central midfield in that defensive role. That's a higher level than anybody else is playing at in that squad. Yeah. You know, Bar Cahill. Yeah, he's that, um, yeah. You know, so I think he needs to be looked at because he could certainly be the answer. He's certainly got a lot more bite, a lot more dynamism. He's, he's um, heard in now at Villa. Do you think that he's... I, I think he's... going to play. We were lacking that not dissimilar you know we needed you got Petrov in there who's comfortable on the ball but he's a bit of a plodder his pace is gone he's you know he's, he's knocking on a bit and you know Rio Coca left and went to Bolton and it wasn't quite good enough and Hurd seems to have got the opportunity now to, to really cement a role as that defensive midfielder because I don't think Delph Delph's been tried there and isn't he's too lightweight for it yeah um, so certainly he's going to have an opportunity to establish himself in a you know mid-table Premier League side, which is certainly higher than uh, than the second tier in in Italy. In Italy, yeah. Um, the other one is the best local option is Partalu, and I think he should be given a role there because yeah, let's let's give Yedanak his credit. You know that's where he's come from. You know a few mm. years ago he was in the Mariners midfield, and I think Partalu deserves a chance. You know, uh, so it'd be good, and and Reese Williams to play in his preferred position. Yeah, you know, yeah. So I'd like to see you know one or all of those get the chance to play in that role in tandem with Valerio yeah, now because I, I, you know I don't think either need you know, they're not that bad that they need bumping out the squad. No. But I just think that the two of them together they're, they're, they're too similar and they're mm-hmm. like, you know we just need a little bit more you know speed of ball movement through midfield. Sometimes one of them getting forward to to help in the attacks, not from set pieces but in the counter attack in the transition. So. I mean, I think arguably Yednak and Valeri could be our, in my eyes, the, our fourth and fifth choice centre midfielders. The three you mentioned, the three candidates, could be better than those two. Yeah. 
All right, and uh, obviously the uh, the Thailand game um, took on extra dimension because we still needed that point to be sure of uh, qualification. In the end, we got three, but as with the game uh, at Suncorp, you know, you'd, you'd say it was a barely deserved three points, and Holman was the the man on the spot with a header after uh, 76 minutes. Brett Emerton uh, picked him out in the crowd, and uh, and it was it was a st- strong header, but. Again, you know, you, you'd normally bat the keeper to save it. He didn't. Uh, but again, for long periods, Trev, Thailand were the better side. Yeah, I mean, I feel a little bit for Thailand for the two games. I mean, they've lost both their games against the Socceroos, and you can you know, make a case they didn't deserve to lose either of them. Um, certainly a hell of a lot better than their ranking. They're sort of, you know, beyond the 100 uh, ranking that they've got, and they've given them a really good account of themselves. I mean, I, I don't think Thailand have ever made it through to the second stage of qualification for a World Cup. Um, and I, th- I think they've been pretty unlucky this time around. But if, if they keep going in, in that direction, then I think that'll be another, you know, pretty strong Asian team that we're going to have to get past each time. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's it for uh, Socceroos. Let's uh, quickly review A League Round Six because uh, the A League, unlike every most other major leagues in the world, doesn't pause for international <laughs> no. breaks. We keep playing on. Um, so let's talk about the uh, the games. Adelaide. Uh, Got an away win at home, uh, playing the Gold Coast. It, this was the fixture that we talked about earlier in the season that was actually a Gold Coast home game, but they sold it to Adelaide, um, which might have explained the, the worse than normal crowd there because obviously it wouldn't have been included in Adelaide season memberships because oh, it was okay. effectively an away game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Adelaide got a 2-1 win. Ian Ramsey coming up with the winner, uh, 69th minute. Um Important win for Adelaide this show to get them back. Uh, sends sent Gold Coast um, to the bottom of the league, as it turned out. Um, yeah. This is where they sit. Gold Coast in that sort of position where they, they seem to be just being edged out each game, you know, with exception when they play Brisbane and they got swatted aside. But um, in terms of, of Adelaide, yeah, I mean, that, this is a game they, they sort of had to win, didn't they, to, to keep pace with um, someone like Brisbane. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of expect a little bit more of Adelaide because I just felt before the season that they were you know locked in to be right up the top um, but yeah I mean Ian Ramsey does um, looking like an excellent emerging player as well isn't he yeah and James Brown continued his good run with the goal it was a, it was a consolation goal as it turned out but it was it did get them back in the game yeah um, fortunate for Adelaide was uh, injury to Van Dyke, which looks like ruling him out this week a uh, calf injury um, so he will be missing for this week's game. I think Gita's got to step up at some point yeah, as well. Yeah, I think so. He's sort of, you know, he's not really, um, you know, it's come back big season for him. He's not really sort of, uh, obviously not doing enough in training to force himself into that <clears> starting lineup. So he'll get an opportunity this week, you would imagine. Yeah. Uh, Melbourne Hart talking of big wins, uh, important wins. Melbourne Hart got their uh, their first win of the season <laughs> at home to the Jets, three uh, 0 It was comfortable in the end, although it took a while for. Um, for them to break the deadlock, it took them 66 minutes before uh, Fred um, got on the score sheet. You'd probably say it was the substitution, really, and the, the, the introduction of Babalge, which sort of turned this game. Um, yeah. You know, previously they'd been struggling for a bit of uh, composure up front, and his work in the lead-up to, uh, to Fred's goal was fantastic. Really uh, nice footwork in the box and laid it on a plate. Um, so, big win for Hart, Trev. Yeah, I mean, the, they seemed to click, didn't they? Which is um, playing in the way that... You know they'd want and certainly expect them to. The amount of times they had the Jets 
genuinely stretched across the back um, in the sort of way that you expected Hart have got these sort of quick players that can go out wide. Um, that's exactly what they sort of did. And uh, there was a few occasions where it felt a bit like, you know, you know, the Jets seemed to be throwing everything at Hart and then Hart broke really, you know, successfully against them. Um, New- I mean, Newcastle's away form sounds like it's going to be a bit of an issue throughout the season, but their home form might be better than we expected. But, yeah, I mean, pretty convincing stuff from Hart. Essential win, though. I mean, if, it, if they'd not won at home to the Jets, then there would have been, you know, real question marks. One thing that, that was uh, was picked up by the commentators was the... the uh, and obviously this is uh, Gary Van Egmond's vision and philosophy is taken back from the AOS, was the Jets' complete refusal to kick the ball from the keeper's hands. Mm. Um, every single time they were rolling it out and playing out from the back. And uh, in the end, it was uh, it was a mistake that, that really lost them the game or any chance of getting back to the game, which was uh, Tarek Elwich, who's... Uh, Back pass on 73 minutes, which uh, went straight to Mata Daganzic, who, uh, who made no mistake. Hmm. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. Obviously, Van Egmond is, is trying to get them to play in a, in a, in a different way. Um, yeah. You know, which, as you would expect, is sort of true to the, the new FFA sort of, you know, vision, 4-3-3, playing out from the back, patient build-up. Um, hmm. And it looks like it's going to take the Jets a, a few weeks to catch up. I mean, the goals like that are collateral damage from when you're trying to build an ethos like that. It, like, it's going to happen, I'm- you know, and it, it would take a while. You, you don't see Brisbane doing that now because they've been playing that system for long enough. Yeah. Uh, Central Coast, nil-nil draw with uh, Melbourne victory. Um, Central Coast, uh, so Melbourne were obviously uh, decimated by uh, by the various red cards and suspensions. And, internationals. Uh, internationals. No Hernandez. So no Gill, no Hernandez. Uh, no Kovic and no Fashini. Um, so you'd probably say this was... Uh, this is a, a better result for Melbourne than it was for the Mariners. Yes, yeah, a pretty good result for for victory. Um, like you say, you know, so many players missing going away to, you know, last year's grand finalists and, and picking up a point. I think they'll be, yeah, happy with that. And I guess you know, for all of you know, we've we've, we've talked about the, the the firepower up front not not really clicking yet for Melbourne, but I suppose the one thing is is that they're not conceding many goals. Yeah, you know that, that stuff. I think that's their third nil-nil draw. Well, I thought that was going to be the problem. Yeah, I we thought were, they were going to try and outscore going, people. Okay, yeah. well, they're just going to score one more than the opposition. But as it turns out, they, they, they're, they're struggling. They're they're, uh, they're not giving away goals at either end. So, no. um, and the Mariners, you know, again, you sort of feel that the Mariners aren't really clicking yet. Mm. I, they, they feel like how every team feels after they've lost the grand final of the previous season. They just seem a bit. You know, lethargic at times, and I, th- I think it'll be an uphill struggle for them. Bernie Abini, um, you know, it's, it got got his start and uh, certainly uh, looked impressive. So hopefully we'll see him get a run. And yep. uh, Amini came into the, the fray late on, so hopefully that's a sign that he's getting back to uh, to full fitness and uh, an encouraging crowd there, ten and a half thousand at the Mariners, which is yep. good. Um, Sydney, yeah. Stealth-like, have moved up into second. <laughs> That's the best way you can describe that. Eleven win. points, two points. Leapfrog Perth with this win um, to go into second place. They're they're not the second best team in the league. I'd enjoy that White Last Sydney fans because there's no way they'll be there at the end of the season. Why not? Because they've had a they've not been that impressive. They've had a few. You Table know, don't lie. Uh, at the mo- yeah, but I mean, <laughs> that happens in every league anywhere across the world. You'll have a team higher up, but it, it's the league at the end of the season which really doesn't lie. Um, I, I can't see him maintaining that, and 
you know, yeah, they, they managed to sort of... I mean, it is a really good win in Perth, it would be for anyone. Um, but they, they did nothing to suggest that they're going to kick on from there. OK. Uh, Milis Dijovsky, uh finally back in action. Which is, uh, the forgotten man. Yeah, the forgotten, forgotten big very name. Very expensively paid man. Yeah. Uh, so he's back. Maybe this will be the start of him getting a getting a look in. Uh, you can't imagine that he's become a bad player over this period. So uh, that that can only be a bonus for Perth. And he should be motivated. I mean, in in terms of where his career's going, he's got to get back into that. You know, Perth side. There's there's not really anywhere else to go. So you'd think he'd be pretty pumped for the chances he gets. And a little bit of a niggle at the end of the game between uh, Ferguson and uh, Jamie Coyne. Jamie Coyne. They've tried to play it down since, haven't they? Um, what? Yeah. You mean they should have just sorted out of a handshake? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, the, the background to that was that uh, Jamie Coyne was one game away from triggering a, an automatic new contract from Perth. I think he was, was it 99 games or something like that? Right. Like that. Uh, and they they basically dropped him and refused to play him in the game that would have triggered the contract and then got rid of him to Sydney. So <laughs> obviously a bit of lingering uh, lingering uh, upset there, which uh, came to the fore at the end of the game. You get that with players that have moved sometimes and, and they've gone to a club not that well off and they're, they're, you know, a lot of payments these days are done by instalments. And once they've played a certain amount of games, then they have to go another and they find themselves <laughs> out of the squad because they can't afford to play him for one more game. All right, uh, Brisbane held to a draw for the uh, second successive week. Uh, very different circumstances to the to the game at Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, you feared the worst when they took the lead after in the eleventh minute. You thought, oh, is this going to be another Adelaide? Yeah, exactly. Um, but to to Phoenix's credit, um, they bounced back, got an equaliser in the thirty seventh minute, which was a, a fantastic goal. Great ball from Bertos, mm-hmm. uh, instant control from Nick Wall, and picked out Tim <coughs> Brown, who, who, who slotted it. Um, are we seeing chinks in the the raw armour, Trev? Yeah, I mean, look, they haven't lost. They still haven't lost yet, and you know the the results they picked up against Victory was just a victory sticking every man behind the ball and trying to hold on. It wasn't a format that I expected them to win off. But yeah, I mean, you would expect them to beat a nine man victory team, and then certainly at home to Wellington. I mean, Kev was saying last week you'd think that Brisbane at home to Wellington would be one of the locking results. And then we remembered we were talking about the A-League. No such thing as a banker in the A-League. Pretty much anything can happen. Um, King Tinnambad, I don't know about that. I mean, it, it's a new challenge, isn't it, for, the, for them this time around, um, where their sort of style swept everyone aside last season. The, uh, you know, the cliche of parking the bus is something that they're going to have to adapt to, and it, it's, a, it's a new challenge because it's not easy to break down teams in football. In a low-scoring game, it's, it's not easy to break them down. So that they've really got to have a think about... Um, you know how they're going to be able to do that because that's what's going to define their season is um, breaking down teams who are more than happy to take a point off them home or away. Well, they're still top of the league, 14 points, played six, won four, drawn two, and and you know they still haven't lost in 35 games. So it's yeah. uh, certainly not the uh, you know it's, uh, the crown hasn't slipped yet, but you know maybe we're seeing that our teams sort of trying to find the way to play against them. I and mean, we'll talk about uh, England and Spain. Shortly, but um, it's a, it poses a new challenge for for Ange. You know, now teams are, are going out, you know, to a degree to stop them playing their normal game. Yeah. Um, you know, whether they can cope with that, whether they can find the uh, solutions to that problem. Yeah. All right, that's it for part one. We'll be back in part two, where we will take you on a whistle stop tour of the international scene to uh, look at final stages of Euro 2012 qualifying and uh, England fans rejoicing in being unofficial world champions by beating Spain.
The December issue of 442 Magazine is on sale now. Inside is a special report on the reignited Manchester rivalry as Man U and Man City do battle for the EPL title. We speak to Ashley Young and Sergio Aguero about the contest. Elsewhere, we interview misfiring Chelsea striker Fernando Torres, catch up with Socceroo hotshot Josh Kennedy, plus interview Han Berger, Tony DiRigo and Billy Mamet. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We turn our attention to Europe now. Let's look at the uh, the final stages of Euro 2012 qualification, which uh, concluded yesterday uh, with um, Croatia drawing 0-0 with Turkey, which was enough to see them through, having won the uh, the opening leg 3-0. Uh, and uh, Gus Hiddink has been sacked this morning by hmm. Turkey. Yeah, so is he, is he losing his touch? He's lost. Well, yeah, he, he couldn't get Russia, couldn't to, get the Russia to the World Cup. To the World Cup. Come back. Uh, Czech Republic, 1-0 uh, win away at Montenegro uh, to wrap it up 3-0 on aggregate. Um, none of the uh, playoffs were really close in the end. Uh, no. Portugal uh, won 6-2 at home against uh, Bosnia. That was probably the surprise result because uh, you probably would have tip Bosnia to run them closer than they did. 0-0 on the first leg, 6-2 in, uh, in Portugal. Saw them go through. Um, Republic of Ireland, uh, Estonia. Republic of Ireland all but wrapped it up in the first leg with a 4-0 win. Um, and then uh, a one-all draw saw them go through on aggregate 5-1. Yeah, a good, I mean a good spread of te- the teams that you'd almost want to go through have gone through. And genu- a bit, a bit gen- of poetic justice for, for Ireland having uh, been robbed of uh, World Cup qualification by Thierry Henry's forearm. Yep, it's their first major tournament I think in, in 10 years or something. So. Since 2002 uh, World Cup. Okay, yep. So, first uh, European Championship since 88 in Germany. Yep, re- reason to celebrate. And if you look at the and team... And they will celebrate. Look, yeah, if you look at the teams that have made it, um, you know, it, it, all the sort of big names, so not only that, but I can't wait for the Euros because there's also, you know, arguably the world's three best teams in Germany, Netherlands and Spain. Um, and then all the other sort of big boys in there as well. So it, it's going to be brilliant, I think. Interesting factoid as well. Uh, Trapattoni. Mm. Born on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> oh, it's meant to be, wasn't it? <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Um, all right, so the seedings have been released, uh, and the seedings are as follows. The draw is soon. The draw is, I think, 2nd of December, so, uh, in two weeks. So the seedings are as follows. Pot 1, obviously hosts, Poland and the Ukraine, will be joined by Spain and Holland. Pot 2, Germany, Italy, England and Russia. Pot three, Croatia, Greece, Portugal and Sweden. And pot four, Denmark, France, Czech Republic and the Republic of Ireland. Now, that, there are some horror groups that yeah, come I mean, out of that. So you could have England potentially drawn against Spain, Portugal and France. Or you could have Holland, Germany, Portugal and France in the same group. Or Spain, Germany, Portugal and France. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, and that's obviously you know the, the difference between a 16 and 32 team tournament is yeah, there's not... no there's no easy beats in there. No, I mean who's you know looking at it this far? So I mean obviously Spain will go into it heavy favourites. Um, do you see Holland and Germany as as their main rivals? I, I see Germany as their main rivals. I, yeah. I think Germany have had a absolutely brilliant um, 2011, um, and I just think that an, another couple of years on from the World Cup um, if they've matured in line with how good they were looking in South Africa then I think there's every reason to suggest that they can um, they can they can push Spain over 
Right. I mean, let's, let's talk about a couple of the friendlies and, and the significance of them or not, as the case may be. Uh, England uh, beat Spain 1-0, a uh, goal from Frank Lampard. Um, I'm, uh, interestingly enough, it doesn't seem like anyone's getting that carried away with it in England, which surprises me. I thought there would be uh, you know, St George flags draped from windows all over the all over the country, but they seem to have got it into perspective um, that it was a you know even though it was a, a pretty strong Spanish side out, it wasn't a competitive game. They probably weren't at their highest intensity. No. But you know what do we read into this? Is this the sign that England have potentially by I know this sounds weird, but by sort of realising the fact that they're not one of the better teams, yeah. is that the first step to them potentially getting better results at major tournaments? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think the long-term plan is to create players that can play like Spain. But I think in the, in the short term, you have to be realistic and, and that generation of players, especially when you've got people like, you know, say Lampard and Gerrard and, and all that lot play, that, yeah, you, you are going to have to set them up in a, in a very different way. And, even though there's a bit of you know sour grapes, Fabregas. I don't know if you saw his comments afterwards. He's saying they you know didn't like the way that England had, had played. Watch so their tackles. And yeah, I mean you can't you can't say that after you've lost because uh, it just falls on deaf deaf ears. But yeah, I mean England have to be you know realistic and, and say that you know even if you put them fourth favourites behind the Netherlands, Netherlands, Germany, and Spain, they're a long way back from those three. Mm. Um, and and the semis. Um, would be a, a very good tournament for them. So, yeah, I think if they got to the semis and they got one of those three, that would be the style that they'd have to play to stand a chance. I think, it'd be, I think Capello's going to be faced with some very interesting choices for his uh, squad that he takes because I think his old guard, Terry, mm. Ferdinand, Lampard, Gerrard, play, yeah, the permanent fixtures for the last 10 years... They're, they're almost, it's almost like the Grand National or the, the Melbourne Cup and they're in the final sort of fur, furlong and then there are a group of young players that are catching them very, very quickly and it's whether they can catch them quickly enough for the squad and I'm talking about you know players like Phil Jones, Danny Welbeck, Jack Rodwell. Chris Smalling, Jack Rodwell you know, and I'd, I'd, I'd personally, I'd like to see Capello take a young side to the Euros and that, that will play without the fear you know, we keep hearing this, you know, Gary Neville's book and so, you know, Paul Scholes' book about the fact that the, these England players are just riddled with fear when they pull on an England shirt and the, the pressure. So maybe the time is to take a load of players that have got nothing to lose. Yeah. You I know, mean, I, I don't... Phil Jones looks perfectly at home in the centre of midfield and I, I sometimes think, you know, it, maybe that fear is because deep down they know that they're not technically proficient enough to go up against the best in the world. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe people like Wilshire and that, are, that have grown up playing next to Cesc Fabregas don't have that sort of inferiority complex. And maybe the time is right to give them the chance to go and say, look, just play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, probably one of the more significant friendly results was, uh, was Germany's comfortable win against Holland. Yeah. Uh, 3-0, which I guess Treb would... would, would you know, look at your thinking of, of Germany as probably Spain's closest challenger. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, I didn't see the game, so I'm, I'm just going on the report. But I mean, in itself, to to swat aside Netherlands team that, that don't get turned over very often, you only need to look at the way they qualify for the World Cup and the way they qualify for these Euros to realise that. Um, that there'll be a massive. I mean. But before every tournament, Germany are amongst the favourites, regardless of how good their team is. So considering how good their team is this time, I think they've got every right to think that they'll win. Closer, still scoring goals. He must be 58. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got to be. Yeah. 
Unbelievable. Uh, quick round. I mean, obviously, Spain then went on and uh, drew two all with Costa Rica and were two 0 down with seven minutes to go. Uh, Wales continue, continued their resurgence under uh, Gary Speed with a four-one thumping of uh, Norway, and they'll be going into uh, obviously soon after the Euros. World Cup qualification begins in Europe, and uh, you know you'd probably look at Wales as fancying themselves to to finally have a shot at qualifying for a major tournament. Yeah, they're they're playing um, playing some good football as well. Wales, they're not. Um... You know, you know, hacking their way for anything. Yeah. All right, that's it for part two. We'll be back in part three to have a look at some of the news headlines that have been making news on our website this week, au.442.com. We all have goals, but sometimes we need a little help along the way. The best advice and assistance on your journey can make an enormous difference. Tiger Management and PR represents up-and-coming and established TV and radio presenters, performers and sports people. So if you're wondering how you'll rise to the next level, engage the services of Tiger Management and PR and you'll no longer be alone. Call 1300 784 212 to find out more or visit tigermanagement.com.au. Back to 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. Before we get into the local news, let's just, Trev, get your thoughts on uh, on Sepp Blatter's latest foot in mouth. Um, where overnight he's talking about the fact that he believes that uh, you know racism on the pitch in football should be sorted out, sorted out with a with a firm handshake at the end of the game, and then it's all forgotten. Yeah, I mean, is that the answer? Well, no. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, other than being an utterly stupid comment to make, it's an incredibly out of touch comment to make. You know, sometimes you get these people at the top of big oil. It reminded me a bit of uh, Colonel Gaddafi at the end where he couldn't understand what everyone's problem was because he thought everyone loved him. And, and Blatter sounds like that at times. He just makes these comments. He's got no idea what the average football fan is thinking. Um, I, th- I, th- I believe he's come out and clarified the comments. Um, I've not seen the full, full details on that yet. But, I mean, it... it it's hard to defend, really, especially on what is such a hot topic, especially what's going on in the Premier League. And the same day that Suarez was charged, within minutes afterwards, I think, wasn't it? The story broke that Suarez was being charged as well. Um, yeah, it's just a, a, another stupid thing to say. OK, that should be no surprise, really. But anyway, uh, some of the local news. Uh, Danny Tiato was uh, chat caught up with Aidan this week and... Uh, had a chat with him and, uh, you know, a couple of seasons later said, you know, he doesn't bear any grudge to, to Ange for clearing out him and the other uh, old farts, as he called them, from Brisbane Raw. Uh, he's been proved right, you know, and he said, like, you know, it's probably necessary, needed to be done. Um, and uh, can't argue with what's happened since. Yeah, I mean, it's impossible to argue with what's happened since, isn't it, because of, of the way that Brisbane have um, kicked on, but... I mean, still a, a pretty honest admission from from someone like Danny Tiato. Yeah, he's now living down in Melbourne, focusing on his uh, on his family. You know, said so his his football's behind him. You know, he's he's not really missing it. He said he's, he goes and watches the odd game, but um, but yeah, so it's good to hear that. Uh, it doesn't say what he's actually doing, but um, no, I, I asked Aiden in the office this week, and he just I think he's just taking it easy, he's sort of nice. refurbishing old cars and hanging around with his family. Nice work if you can get it. Yeah, I mean, if you've spent time in the Premier League and you were smart with your money, then you yeah, can. Yeah, true, true. Um, sticking with uh, with the Raw, uh, we talked touched about this in the, in the review of the uh, games, but Ange Postacoli said that he's, um, he's content with their performances despite drawing the last two games and uh, he's aware that teams will... Uh, 
will start, you know, be tempted to part the bus against them. Um, and he's, uh, he's prepared for that. Yeah. I mean, this is what we were saying earlier. It, it's just about finding a way to break those teams down because as soon as it goes around that there is a way to beat Brisbane or at least a way to hold them off, um, then it's, it's a whole new challenge for them. Yeah. You know, and he's been yeah, pretty pragmatic about it. You know, he says that... Um, you know, you get those games where the chances go in. He said, like, when they played Adelaide, you know, they won 7-1 and pretty much every chance went in. And then they, they got a similar amount of chances against Wellington and they came up against the keeper in good form and just couldn't convert. So, uh, exactly. I mean, they still haven't lost. They're still top of the table, so... OK. Uh, Perth have uh, moved quickly to, uh, to get an injury replacement for Scott Neville, who was ruled out for the rest of the season last week. Uh, they've picked up uh, former Australian under-20 captain Trent McLennan on an eight-week contract as uh, as injury replacement. He's, uh, he's a right-back, played all three games at the Olympics in Beijing in 2008. Um, signed by your boys, West Ham at 16, mate. Yeah, I mean... And- Spent nine years in the UK. Another Aussie that was um, spent time at West Ham and, and sort of had a similar story to Richard Garcia, who was part of the sort of youth setup, or Michael Ferranti, all players that, that came through at West Ham and then ended up going on loan a few places and dropping down and, and never really, you know, having their career kick off. I mean, he's only 26, which surprised me because it strikes me as a name that feels like it's been around forever. So that, that's quite an important cameo for him, really. Um, and he's the kind of player that. You know, would expect to come back to the A League, and if he can get fit, then I think he'll be a, a pretty decent addition. Okay, uh, another injury uh, concern for Perth is that uh, Travis Dodd has, uh, has been ruled out for the next four weeks with a torn hamstring picked up in the game against Sydney. So uh, Perth struggling with injuries. Um, Gold Coast, Christian Reese has. Um, so that you know the fear of uh, golden sp- uh, golden spoon wooden spoon. It'd be more appealing if it's yeah, the golden, it's a golden spoon. spoon. <laughs> fear of bottom place is uh, is driving them along. You know, it's a bit early to be saying that. I think. Well, maybe, but also I think a few people were saying it before the season started as well. I had a bottom. You had a bottom, yeah. So I don't think after you know a few shoddy results and the fact they're bottom that we should guarantee it's going to happen because I I think they've they've been better than I expected them to be. Um, and I think that they've got the potential in them to, to go on a decent run. OK. Um, Clint Bolton, uh, Aidan again, was uh, chatting with Clint down in Melbourne, um, comparing, you know, difficult comparisons to make, but, you know, can we, can he, how does he compare uh, the current Brisbane Raw side with uh, some of the great teams of the NSL, you know, such as Angie's own South Melbourne, Branco Kalina, Sydney United... Um, plus teams like the Melbourne Knights, Wollongong Wolves. Um, you know, he, he's uh, you know he's saying that he, he thinks that what they're seeing from Brisbane is that they can do it for 90 minutes, the pace that they play at. Um, you know, he's really raising the bar. Uh, would you agree with that, Trev? Yeah, it's a, it is a tricky comparison because it's a very very different land, you know landscape, and I think that it's um, a lot of people like to talk about the NSL in sort of this you know romantic way and, and throughout the course of its history it did have um, some, some very very good teams but I would still I mean if Brisbane go on this year and win it in a similar fashion as they did last year I think that would be an even more difficult discussion to have I think that they'd certainly be the best team we've seen over here yeah well Clint sort of said that you know you'd probably say that um Pure sort of technical ability, and he'd probably say that some of those teams from the old NSL era would be on what we're seeing now. 
Um, maybe it's just because they stood out a bit more. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah. In those days. Uh, Ricky Herbert said he felt uh, extreme pride after his team's performance at Reigning Champions Raw. Um, Ricky was, I think, rewarded with a four-year contract this week um, yep. to, to stay in charge at uh, Phoenix uh, with, from the new owners there. So that's a, a massive vote of confidence from the new owners in, in Ricky being the man to, to continue to drive Wellington forward. And that's good. It gives him that, that security that he's going to be there to build on that. Um, totally deserved, but it's, it's a tough season for Wellington. Yeah, I was just <laughs> going to say that. You know, this is still you know, going to be a tough year for them. Um, they also, I think, I get the feeling they need to sort of re-engage with the crowd a little bit. The mm. crowds have been a bit disappointing. I know there's probably going to be a Rugby World Cup hangover for a while yet, and people have probably spent a lot of money on that. But I think that they need to um, they need to get the yellow fever back on side and uh, as, as quickly as possible. And um, and you know maybe bringing in a couple of new faces might be the way to do that. Uh, Vitslav Levitska paid tribute to uh, to Liam Reddy. Uh, as the sort of key man for the team in the in the 1-0 win, critical 1-0 win away at Perth. Um, there was a period where Reddy and the Chesky seemed to be sort of neck and neck, and Reddy now is, seems to have a big vote of confidence from uh, from Levitska. Do, do you think that's justified, Trev? Yeah, well, when Sydney lost that spine of that championship winning team and, you know, they had, uh, you know, Colosimo and Corica retiring and Clint Bolton leaving, I felt the one replacement that wasn't going to have any impact was Liam Redding coming in, because I felt it is a brilliant keeper and just as good as Clint Bolton. And then he just had a really poor season, ended up losing his place, which didn't seem like an obvious thing to happen. And this season, yeah, he, he seems to be back to his back to his best, and that, that Perth performance was, was excellent. I mean, it had to be, really, because there wasn't a lot else going on for them. So, yeah, a good goalkeeper, and I'm, I'm pleased that he's back playing well. OK. All right, that's it for part three. We will be back in the final part of uh, this week's 442 Insider podcast to preview this weekend's games in the A-League, which is round seven. The December issue of 442 magazine is on sale now. Inside is a special report on the reignited Manchester rivalry as Man U and Man City do battle for the EPL title. We speak to Ashley Young and Sergio Aguero about the contest. Elsewhere, we interview misfiring Chelsea striker Fernando Torres, catch up with Socceroo hotshot Josh Kennedy, plus interview Han Berger, Tony DiRigo and Billy Mehmet. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. Uh, Trev, now let's look forward. A-League, Week 7, Gold Coast, host Melbourne Heart. Yes. Massive game for both sides. Another evenly matched, hard-to-predict game. <laughs> Melbourne got their first win of the season last week. Gold Coast uh, currently bottom. Um, I'm, I'm going to go Gold Coast. Gold Coast, even. Um, I think that they, they might drive the, the home advantage through there. I mean, Hart was a good win, did seem to be clicking, but are home to a team that I, I think that you'd hope that they would play like that against. So I think I could see the Gold Coast, you know, perhaps edging through 2-1. OK. I mean, Van Skips talked about his team, and, and Bol- Clint Bolton made reference to this in, in his chat with Aidan this week, that, that they, they, they seem to play with a fear at certain points, mm-hmm. you know. Do we think that that win last week and the nature of that win, as in you know, b- pulling away in the second half, comprehensively beating the Jets who are in four three nil, would that be the sort of result that, that gets rid of a little bit of that fear and you might, might see some of these young lads get a little bit more confidence? Yeah, perhaps. I think that's a strange situation for heart players to be in to sort of you know play with. I don't think they've got an awful, you know, lot to 
lose. I know there's more pressure on them this season because you know it's their second season. They're more established and stuff. But I think that they should have the freedom to you know sort of not just under the sort of pressure that Victory are under, for example, or even you know Sydney or someone like that. So I think it's a, a strange situation for them to be in. But yeah, if they get a run of wins, then that should. I think it's Go also, you know, they've conceded late goals. You know, the Sydney game comes to mind most most recently. You know, and maybe that comes to that, that they, they, there's that fear that unless they're 3-0 up, the game's never sort of out of reach and they're going yeah. into the last sort of five minutes nervous and stuff. Um, all right, so second game is uh, Wellington, Phoenix at home to Adelaide United. Yeah. Another hard, <laughs> hard, to, hard to predict game. Um, yeah, look, you know, Wellington's home form's not where it should be this season, really. Um, that's why, you know, we've been saying all the way through that we felt that that home form was going to be enough for them to do okay. Um, Adelaide haven't started as well as we thought, so I think it's got draw written all over it. All right, well, uh, I, it was a bit remiss of me. I didn't talk about the odds for the, uh, the first game, but Wellington-Adelaide. Uh, Wellington, this is on sportingbet.com.au. Uh, have Wellington two dollars twenty five, Adelaide three dollars ten, and the draw three dollars thirty five. Okay. Yeah. Um, first game, uh, Gold Coast Melbourne. Gold Coast at two dollars fifteen, Melbourne Heart three dollars thirty, and the draw three dollars twenty five. There's not a lot in either of those games, so that seems about right. Okay. Newcastle uh, continue their development under Gary Van Egmond. They host the champions. Brisbane Raw. This is how you want to play, lads. Champions versus the Pretenders. Yes, exactly, yeah. And, and Brisbane, like, for all the talk of a, a wobble, it's the slightest wobble, if it is a wobble at all. Um, stop, need to stop saying wobble, because it <laughs> sounds... Get a couple more wobbles in. Sounds really strange. Wibble. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so that, that's, an imp- that's an important game for them to sort So of, do we see know. Brisbane having another wobble? <laughs> There's any Blackadder fans? <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, no, I, th- I, I think they'll win there, even though the, the Jets have, have been excellent at home, really, and why they find themselves so far up in the, in the ladder. But I think Brisbane will return to winning ways. Oh, Sporting Bet would agree with you. They've got Newcastle $4.25, uh, Brisbane $1.83, mm-hmm. and a draw $3.40. Okay. Uh, Sydney hosts the Mariners. Uh, local derby of sorts, yeah. an hour and, a, hour and a half up the road. Um, this has produced some cracking games in the past. Real high score in goals. last minutes, yeah. Um, how do you see this one going? You know, Sydney in second, as we talked about. Mariners, bit of a stuttering start to the season. Um, Sydney are a dollar ninety on Sporting, but the Mariners are three dollars eighty. It's probably the value bet of the week. I'd I think say. so. Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be nil nil. Draws three dollars forty. For all those Sydney fans who are really fickle, I think it's going to be nil nil, and possibly. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's going to be them... eight all. So get <laughs> yeah, along and watch. Get out and watch it. Now I think it's going to rain and it's going to be nil nil. No, it's not. It's not. It's not going to rain and it's not going to be too hot. So everyone's at the beach. Yeah. It's going to be around twenty-two degrees, It'd looking be... like rain, but it won't actually yeah. rain. You're better so you're get not missing there... anything by going to the game. No, you'll better get there easily. And it's going to be eight all. You can get your caramel latte on the way in case you want to go to it. Um, no, I, th- I think it. I and think Brett it, Emerton's it, playing. Brett Emerton's playing. He's played for the Socceroos. Um, it's going to be close. You know, the, both teams seem short of a prolific striker to to really sort of trouble. You know, a, a Brisbane or what have you. But um, yeah, nil nil. 
right. And the last game of the round is uh, Melbourne victory at home to Perth Glory. Mm. Now, interesting, I've not heard, obviously, Harry was excused from Socceroos duty after the uh, first game to come home for treatment on an injury. I've not had word as to whether that will keep him out of this week. Have you heard anything, Trev? No, it, it's still touch and go. I, th- I think it's probably going to be a, a very late fitness test to see if he makes it or not. Um, with the kind of options they've got and the, you know, the way he's been playing, I think it might be better to try, you know, keep him on the bench at least and, and try a few different you certainly things. don't want to risk him when you know risk him worsening the injury and having a longer period out if it's a case of missing one game and being back next week yeah exactly and, and Perth seem um, seeming a, a tiny little bit of free fall at the minute after how, you well, know, how they started it's almost like a complete parallel with last season yeah start the first three or four games really strong and then just go on this awful run this, yeah that's it isn't it assemble a really good team um Play them out of position, start well, then fall away. It's the Perth model. It's going to. Sporting have got this: a dollar eighty Melbourne, four dollars twenty-five Perth, and three dollars fifty the draw. Yeah. No, I'm going to go victory. I, I, you know, I, I fancy victory to to do enough against the, a Perth team. I think that Perth will need someone like Smelts really on fire and sticking everything away to, mm. to win there. And what about Victory's options up front? You know, we saw uh, in the absence of Harry on Socceroos, we saw Danny Olsop uh, come back in and start with The player that I thought would figure more that, that doesn't that seems to be on the periphery is uh, Solazano. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's bizarre, really. I mean, he must be looking at Brisbane going, why, why did I leave again? Yeah, exactly. And th- Seeing the chances <laughs> that they're creating for Barisha and, you know, think, oh, could have been me. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Archie playing through the middle rather than on the wing. I mean, that seemed like a no-brainer, and Archie's responded exactly the right way to getting his, you know, rightful position back. Um, it, you know, it, it's still difficult to fit all those players in. With, with Harry, you know, maybe not making it. I think it's a perfect opportunity to try something different. You're right there. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. So Trev's tre- struggling to keep his water down. <laughs> it's like doing a podcast with a baby. It's, like it's all wobbling. <laughs> Uh, carry on. I think I was finished. Really? Victory, going to win. Victory win. 1-0, yeah. All right. So Trev's finished, and I think we're finished for the week. So, uh, all right, that is it for this week's uh, 442 Insider Podcast. We will, of course, be back next week to uh, review how wrong our predictions were for week seven, the fact that Sydney <laughs> Central Coast Mariners didn't end up eight all, uh, and it was sunny and everyone went to the beach. Yeah. Um, it is actually <laughs> forecast 30 degrees no, and sunny it? for this oh, weekend. Oh, go to the beach. <laughs> you get to live in a city like Sydney. <laughs> all right, that's it. So get out, support your local A-League team, enjoy your football, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.